Hear That Podcast Ground is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Bengals ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I mean, if you're waiting to the last second, I guarantee you can find some real cheap Bengals tickets if you're looking to come to any of the games uh, coming up this uh, in the next couple weeks. That's for sure. We know that much. But also, if you're looking to go to a Kid Rock concert like Jay, be like Jay. For some reason, you want to go see Kid Rock. You can go and you can get tickets there, music, theater, all that stuff. Anyway, head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Podcast Growlin, Paul Dater Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. Jay, how are we doing? Doing great, Paul. How are you? You know, it's fun. It's 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 not it, it's it's not as bad as people might think it is. I, I I do feel like I see a lot on Twitter people being like, Oh, it must be so bad to cover. It's really not. Like you go in, there's there's plenty to talk about. There's lots of storylines. There's lots of interesting things going on. Every day is a new development. It's a, every day is a every day is a new development. So when that's happening, you know what? You uh you embrace it. We're here. We're here to give Bengals fans a hug. They just need one. They do need one. The extra long embrace too, like maybe even you know you get that almost uncomfortable length where it's back like rub. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> what's what's more uncomfortable, the back rub, uh, the like neck, like the actual like too much around the neck, or the like holding it too long? That that'd be a good run passer boot for later. Maybe we should save that. Run passer boot, inappropriate hug, pet peeves. And the hug starts to break, but it doesn't. And then you're like face to face, just eye contact. Oh no, that's the no one wants that. <laughs> that's the that's the worst. Is all of a sudden you're just looking somebody right in the eye when you didn't want to be, you know, uh, cheek to cheek. That's I'm not I'm not a big hugger anyhow. So they're they're all kind of uncomfortable <laughs> for me. <laughs> Jay says any hug is an uncomfortable <laughs> hug. It doesn't matter what happens on it. No, I I feel like that I'm I am a hugger, and a, but I feel like. The the extra long hug often makes me think like, is something going on? Like, did they <laughs> there are people sad for me? Do people think like uh, I, I have a disease or something? Like, what what is happening? Why why are we hugging this long? Do I look that bad? Do I look like I need this much help? <laughs> I, I feel like all Bengals fans today getting <laughs> extra long hugs and having to think about it. Do I look that? Ba- Am I letting it get to me? <laughs> Oh man, there's a, right, there's that's, a, that's that's our good rant on hugging right there. Yeah, I was gonna say there's a there was watching rewatching the game broadcast. There were a lot of Bengals fans that needed hug. I mean, it seemed like every time they do a crowd cutaway shot, you just 
you, you've got sad fans. You've got I can't even count how many surrender cobras there were. It was, oh, it, was just, it was a surrender cobra fest. <laughs> It was. I mean, I gotta say, you were going through and just giving all the screenshots that I just, I couldn't get enough. It's just, it is. It, it's just you. Just they are the faces of Bengals fans right now are just so beleaguered, just so beleaguered. My favorite was that after Dalton's third interception, and they they do the crowd shot, and there's one guy waving goodbye to Andy as if that's going to be it. He's never going to play quarterback again. And then the other guy's got his hands up, and you can just read his lips. He says, "What did you see?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh man, uh, it's it's something else right now. We really are. Like this is this is the like you tell your grandkids about this stuff, you know? Like that's what I'm saying. Like when people talk about how bad it is, no embrace the suck. This is the stuff where you're like, "Oh, you know, this was as bad as let me tell you about the the details of things that were happening during this stretch." Right? Embrace You only get to do this at once every couple decades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you only get you only don't worry. Yeah, you only get a 10-year run of it every once in a while. Oh, my God. That's such a depressing sentence. Uh, Let's run down what we got to get to. Um, First of all, I want to promo our bonus episode that's coming up later this week is going to be jam-packed. Since we're headed to London, um, I'm going to talk to the guys from Who Day UK. Uh, They have a huge following over there, which is really cool. Um, So if anybody is going over to London and you're on the long flight over, you're listening to this podcast, first of all, thank you. Hope uh, hope you don't have too much turbulence. Um, These guys are going to kind of give you a little bit of a lay of the land, things to do, um, view of Bengals fans uh, on that side of the pond. Lots of good stuff coming from them. So look forward to that. Uh, Jay, you're going to talk with uh, Vinny Bonsignor, uh, who is our athletic writer covering the Rams. Um, And I'll, of course, have film review with Joe Goodberry. Uh, We'll have all of that stuff, plus our normal predictions and everything else we do. And you know what? When so much news cracks off every single day, uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty more to to fill. By the time Thursday gets here, we'll have like four more disaster storylines to attack. So and I think it's important to, to point out as well that I'm talking to Vinny by choice because unlike the Bengals, I am no longer winless. I, I won the, the growler bet last week and uh, got, got off the schneid. I got my first growler bet win of the year. And the way we do it is it, it's not the loser has to talk to the opposing team's beat writer. It's the, the winner gets to choose. And I met Vinny at the Combine this year. Great guy. And uh, I, I want to catch up with them, so I'll be talking to him uh, for the, the podcast on Thursday. Yeah, you're lucky you get that garbage time TD right at the end, didn't you? It, it was pretty – what was there, 23 seconds left? And uh, 23 seconds, a Dalton QB sneak. It's the only way that you can win. It's the only way Gio you can was win still in the game, too, because if, if they if they, Gio got stopped at the one, if he had gotten in. But, yeah, I thought for sure they would throw the ball. And I mean, you, you – they're out of timeouts. You almost never see a team run the ball in that situation because it takes so long to set back up. And But this team's been so bad in the red zone, and I, I think they just wanted to, to pound one in there on the ground just to kind of give them some sort of feel-good moment for the run game because there haven't been a lot of them this year. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's, let's, let's get down to it. Uh, let's get – I want to start – here with it is look we're in a trade it's trade season it's the, the we are we are 
to you may be listening to this now and trades are already i mean trades have been popping off but we record early here in the morning on tuesday most new is already a patriot for a second round pick um last tuesday we saw a flurry of activity i expect there'll be a flurry of activity today i will suspect there will be another flurry of activity certainly uh next tuesday when the trade deadline officially hits and so the Bengals should be active should is from an outsider's perspective any fool can see that this team needs to be trying to stockpile as many picks for next year as you can this season is over they have some older assets got to do it right will they do it I don't know and that's the sad part of this really is 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 there's a chance they sit on their hands and don't do anything and just hope that things fall their way essentially uh, or, or don't feel like they should take just any deal where in some cases you kind of should take any deal. Um, and, and so I, I kind of wanted to dive into a few of those guys that really do feel like as, as this has come into focus, I mean, we've, we've documented this a little bit, but really week by week, I think we've seen certain players that make the most sense that you could see being dealt come into focus a little bit, in my opinion. And so I want to kind of dive into those and discuss their situations and what we could see with them. So let's let's kind of start there. I'll, I'll, I'll start with one who I think is the most likely to go. Um, and then, Jay, you can tell me who you think, if you think I'm wrong or right, or who you think is the most likely. I bet um, we're going to have the same... Most likely, but yeah, go ahead. Maybe I'm gonna say Tyler Eifert. Yeah, that's uh, who I had. Yeah, and here here's the thing, and, and you wrote about this, and I was asking a lot about this yesterday too. Is the Bengals just aren't using them? They're just not using these tight ends enough. They're not using Eifert and getting the impact you need out of him. He's actually healthy. He's in the he's on a one year deal. Where when you consider everything I just talked about, the idea of them re-signing Eifert next year would seem slim. There is a market for the t- for tight ends right now that can make plays. I mean, it's, a bidding war appears to be out there. Well, you've got the, you've got the Saints, you've got Seattle, other teams certainly would be that have had uh, you know what you always have entry to that position. How about the irony that you could actually get something for Tyler Eifert because he's healthy, right? So I don't know. I I just feel like this could be where you see Tyler Eifert being the most likely to go. Yeah, and I mean, it, it would be a it would be a loss for us. He's such a good guy in the locker room and a good guy to talk to. But I, I just it, it, I, I think it would be great to see him go to a team like Seattle that that really needs a tight end now with Disley down and and give him a shot to get back to the playoffs and and be a factor. You know. We, if if he plays Sunday against the Rams, which there's no reason to believe he won't, it'd be the most game he he had eight games played. That'd be the most he's played since 2016, uh, and it's just you feel for the guy that all that he's been through, all the rehabs he's gone through, and to to be in this situation right now to fight back from that horrible broken ankle just to suffer through this miserable winless season so far. I just you couldn't help but be happy for the guy if it happens where where he goes to a contender, which if he gets traded, that's probably where he's going. I don't think there's too many teams out of contention that are going to be trading for guys at this point. No, you can't be further out of contention than these guys. So uh, at the very least, it's stepping in the right direction wherever he goes, unless he goes to Miami. Uh, so, uh, you know, I just 
there's something out there. When, when you when you can get any kind, really any kind of value for a guy that you know is not going to be back this year and you're not really using that much, that's great. But then when you throw in the fact that people probably will overextend themselves a little bit just because of the fact that there will be mul- there could be multiple teams involved, it just makes the most sense. And I, you know, it. I don't understand the value in keeping him. I I don't like I. I of course, I don't understand the value in keeping almost anybody at this point. <laughs> but but I, I just, especially a guy that all writing is on the wall that he would not be back next year when you consider all the things that follow him. I It just makes the most sense that he would be the one to go. And what, what, what does his market look like? You know, hard to gauge uh, how put off would teams be by his injury history. You know, you you feel like he's healthy, but once a couple bids happen, it's like, you know, the Muhammad Sanu thing. He gets a two, and people are surprised. People are surprised over and over again at the picks that people are willing to part with for for going for it. I mean, you you go to Jalen Ramsey last week. You got all these guys, and and you know, to Laramie Tunsil, people are like, wow, Mari Cooper last year, wow, one, right? It's like you surprise. You keep seeing that. How many times are we going to stop saying wow and just realize that teams are just willing to part with their draft picks, and. If you're a team in the Bengals situation, you have the advantage of it being definitive. We talked a lot about this during the Reds season. Of You were worried that were the Reds in it, were they not, which direction would they go, would they be buyers or sellers. The best thing for the, the long-term future, forgetting the short-term, the long-term future of any team is to have a definitive, clear picture of where you need to go. And there's nothing clearer than where this team needs to go. And that's I think, is helpful where it's just whatever the best thing that ends up on your table for Tyler Eifert, you just, I think you just do it. Is that a four? Is that a three? Is that a, I mean, can you get, can you get in there? Could you sneak in a day two? If that's the case, it's a no-brainer. It's free money. Uh, and it would seem like something that they should absolutely do. So that's that's my number one. Um, my number two uh, would be Carlos Dunlap, and because you know I I think you know they they I mean they certainly need help off the edge, but I, I don't think he's been near as productive as as they hoped he would be. Um, he's he's got this knee thing, but he appears to be on his way back from that. Um, he's making a lot of money into the future. One of these contracts you want to get out from under, you know, just, you know, we talked about at the time it was not a great deal, you know, to, to do both those guys, but they did and people applauded him and that's fine. There is, when he wants to, Carlos Dunlap can be very good. And if some team thinks they can get him and get the most out of him, he can be very good. But it's a contract to get out from under and move forward with the young guys at that position. I mean, I think you've seen some productive stuff from Andrew Brown. I mean, you you know Sam Hubbard is is playing really well for you. You'd like to think you'll start to see something from Carl Lawson, although that's surprising how you haven't. And regardless, you figure you're going to be adding there next season anyway. It just seems like one that should happen. And, and we mentioned this in the, in the walkout. Now, these reports out there that the Raiders might be looking for pass rush help. Although they did just trade Gary and Conley to Houston for a third, uh, so maybe they're they, they, we thought they were buying. Now they're selling. Maybe they're selling to buy. Right? We've seen that. We have seen that. Uh, but anyway, does Paul Gunther want to reacquaint himself uh, with Carlos Dunlap? I don't know. That would seem to me to be the most likely fit to somebody who knows Carlos, who knows what you can get out of him or feels like they know how to push the right buttons with him. 
and go someplace that has a chance and get him into it. And if you do that, maybe, uh, you know, there's a thought that you can get that high ceiling out of him and not get some of the low floor that we've seen a lot this year. Uh, so to me, I think that probably is number two that makes the most sense. Yeah, I really, I, I don't think that there's a, a close second there. I, I think it's Eifert and Dunlop are the most likely two. What what interests me the most is you, you talked about where the, the Bengals being in a position of strength because they, they have a clear-cut mission here. I wonder if that actually helps or hurts them in negotiations because if if other teams know that you have to deal, are they going to lowball them and you know go that route? Or if it's if, if it's a guy they really really want, then then maybe they they overpay. Like you said, we've seen happen with some of these other players last year, this year. But I just I, I wonder how much the the family's history, the Bengals. The Browns family history in, in not trading in season um, affects them. Where they they you know all all of a sudden now they're looking to to trade people and other teams are just going to kind of sit there and and lowball them and know they're they're desperate to get rid of some of these guys and and maybe they don't get great value. But it it it's been since since 1985 they've had one in season trade and that was the Carson Palmer one where he was threatening retirement I mean it's just not something this organization does and I'm just kind of interested to see how that well we wouldn't we won't know but I, I, I would be interested to find out how that dynamic plays in how other teams approach negotiations with the Bengals in this situation yeah I, I mean I go back to AJ McCarron and we've talked about this before. It just, you know, you can see them just squander the possibility to actually get premium value for somebody that they have. I mean, when they refused to trade AJ McCarron because they were worried about getting rid of a backup quarterback in a team on a team that really wasn't probably going to win anything, and the whole fiasco. And we can laugh about that now, but the fact is. The fact that they were that it took to the last second because they pushed the Browns so hard trying to get extra picks it was going to be two and a three and whatever it was going to end up being for a backup quarterback a guy like AJ McCarron there you you're not always going to get the home run fleecesome deal like at sometimes you just got to sit there and just say you know what this is a pretty good deal. Let's just make sure we get this done, right, and not squander. And so you all you end up getting is a six-round comp for A.J. McCarron. You know, that was a huge, huge malfunction by this organization with that. They had a, they had a chance to, to really get something for something that really didn't mean that much to them, and they blew it. And you see them do this in situations like this because of their reluctance, because of their conservative nature, because of the fact that they just aren't really into that and they view the league through a different lens than everybody else is operating in right now. Atlanta, clear-cut vision. Trade for Sanu. Get, trade for Sanu. Get a second-round pick because they stink and they know it and they got to start thinking about the next year. Obvious, right? Miami, sell them off. Tank, definitive move towards next year. Get more picks. Teams are doing this. This is how the league operates now. We're going to find out if this team is going to continue to operate in the past or start to operate in the future like they hoped to when they hired a new young staff they hope to be a little bit more progressive. Or will the old ways of the front office continue to win out? We learn. We're going to learn that over the next eight days. I think we know which way it's going to go, but hey. <laughs> I know. It's new sad. day. I mean, yeah, you, you never know. But it, it, it just, 
I don't know. They, they, like you said, they've had these, they've had chances to do this in the past, and it, like with the McCarran thing, they, they didn't even trust their own assessment of, of him because, you know, how many McCarran guys were out there that he needed to play over AJ and or over Andy, and they, 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 they knew what AJ was and what Cleveland was offering. Anything that they get for him would have been a close to a steal and. Cleveland offers them a really good deal, and they push it to the last minute. And, and look where, yeah, they only got the, the six-round comp for A.J. McCarron, and, and look where A.J. McCarron is now. I mean, he's still – he's a career backup. They – they whatever they could have gotten from Cleveland for him would have been worth it because they, they knew what, what what a lot of the fans didn't know is that, that he, he wasn't the answer as a starting quarterback, and they just – they played around and, and lost. And – it's I, I just I don't know. You you want to think that the the writing is on the wall and they're they're gonna do what's obvious, but it, it just with this organization it always comes back to track record and track record kind of suggests that there's not gonna be a lot of activity, which would make for a, a nice relaxing bye week for you. Yeah, uh, I I don't anticipate. I, I I at the very least. Uh, It'll be a scorched earth column coming from nothing happening. So I'll be busy hammering my hammering my keyboard if they sit on their hands again. Um, you mean it's not already written? It's well, I mean it is in my head. It's a pretty easy one. I think. I, can I just take the transcription of my rant I just had and just print that? Because I think that's pretty much it. It's 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 it's, it's a chance. This is a chance to prove your new day or same day, right? Which, by yeah. the way, I did want to point out. Uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want. It, it felt a bit like piling on, pointing this out uh, on no. social media. So I'll just say it here to our, our 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 core listeners. If you go back and look at the the social media uh, game day promo photo on Twitter that the, the club put out, it said game day. But you know, people seeing what's going on the the same day shirts that are out there, and and you see that all the time. It was Giovanni Bernard had a picture on the actual photo the graphic where his helmet goes over the bottom left corner of the g and the particular font made it look clear as day like it was an s so instead of game day it said same day and i was like oh my goodness like i i, I made a double take because i first when i saw it in the morning i thought oh this must be some sort of uh somebody thinks it's funny to take how do they steal their graphics i wonder if this is going to be some sort of cease and desist and i was like oh no this is actually from the Bengals. Oh, it's covering up the – oh, my – and I was just if – you, if you get a chance, go back and look at it. It was fairly amazing. But, you know, maybe that's – maybe that picture is what you can start using if they decide not to trade anybody over the next eight days. Yeah, and there, I mean, the reason – like you mentioned, we to, – to say it here is one thing. It, it was tempting to, to kind of retweet it and and let thousands of people see it. But you, you got it, – it's not the organization that, that's – I mean, the organization deserves to get made fun of a little bit here, but that's that's some poor guy in the in the social media department that you you don't want to pile on there. You know, he probably felt horrible about it once it came out, and th- those are all good people. We see those people around the building, and uh, yeah, I, I I would hate to you know poke too much fun at, at a guy that's just trying to do his job and, it's and a helmet a little going bit of, over the quarter of a letter and, I, and it's one of those things that probably it's one of those where you don't see it i you do this all the time anybody that's been in whether it's graphic design i you know i used to design pages you don't see it until you see it and then it's all you see right it's like 
it just totally sticks out. Once you see it, that's all you see, but it's easy to, to probably not see it. I mean, I mentioned it to all you guys, and no one else had seen it. No one retweeted it, as far as I could tell, on social media. So I think it's one of the things that well, not until you see it, and then it sticks out. Um, and, and, you know, when, you, like when you're proofreading your own stuff, it's you know what it's supposed to say. So sometimes you just read right over a typo yeah. because you know what it's supposed to say. That's, that's why editors come in so handy for us God because – yeah, they they catch that kind of stuff and uh, and shout out to Dave Ninimitz does a great job with us and and I, I know I just I just uh, sent him a message this morning and said hey I, I had a typo in in my final thoughts column can you fix that I just I, I repeated a stat it was supposed to be two different yardage totals and I had the same yardage total in both in, in both instances and just little things like that where you know what it's supposed to say and you just glance right over it and so. Uh, yeah, I, I again don't want to pile on the social media guy too much, but it, it was humorous just given the situation the team's in right now. All right, now I think it is time to pile on because it's time to start talking about Cordy Glenn. And uh, this was when, last week, uh, the Cordy Glenn situation began and uh, kind of came to a head, right? I mean, on, on we see. This whole process has been ongoing where clearly organizationally they've been frustrated by him not getting back in and playing, you know, where we're, you know, in the 60s and days that he's been in concussion protocol. And uh, we saw him come back to practice after being cleared by all these. I mean, when you are this deep in it, you have seen so many doctors, so many people from both sides have signed off on all this stuff. And he finally got completely cleared to come back to practice. He practiced, but sort of didn't. Uh, and you know, an incident occurred uh, with coaches getting into it, and all of a sudden, uh, then he doesn't show up on Thursday, and you have a suspension for a game. And then he actually technically is activated on Monday. Um, but wasn't in the building earlier, at least according to Zach Taylor. But, Jay, you saw him later in the day. Uh, actually, he w- did show up at the building on Monday night. Yeah, Zach was asked in his press conference, which was at 2.45 p.m., if Cordy was in the at the facility. And, and Zach matter-of-factly said no. And, and Zach, he does not lie to us. I mean, he'll dance around some questions, but he, he's been very honest with us since he got here. So I truly believe that was the case, that Cordy was not there. But – uh, I, I was one of the last ones to leave the media room last night, and uh, Richard Skinner from Local 12 said he was when he was leaving, he saw Cordy in the parking lot uh, next to his car. He's, Cordy's one of the guys that has his own parking spot. And uh, then Cordy came into the building, and uh, he, he walked past the, the regular player's entrance to the locker room and uh, not sure where he was going. There, there's, there's restrooms around that corner. Uh, there's the uh, stairwell, the door to the stairwell up to the upstairs offices. So maybe he was going upstairs to, to talk to Zach or the front office. And whatever, whatever wherever he was heading, he, he did not do the typical cut through of the locker room. And all the players, well, mo- I, would, I won't say all the players, because I don't know for sure, but most of the players were long since gone by then. Um, they When the locker room opens at 2 o'clock, um, they finish up their meetings for the day on Mondays and, and they usually go in one door and out the other and the locker room clears out really quickly. So obviously we don't know what he was doing there, but he was at the building 
last night, and you you have to figure there was there was some sort of discussion going on about where the team goes forward with him from from here. Yeah, and that, and that is going to be it. Is, is what what happens next? I mean, we 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 know what's happened so far with fines that have happened prior to this, and you know he didn't make the trip to Pittsburgh when they wanted him to, and you know there's been bad communication, not going to doctor's visits, all this stuff that's happened that we, you documented a lot of it in your story last week, all this stuff that has gone on sort of led to this of, of look, until he get, gets finally cleared by every doctor you can you could possibly find on this earth to talk about all this, the, the issues that we say he's dealing with, then you, you got to work. Like, you know, and, and I think that was sort of their attitude is, well, if you're cleared, if you're fully cleared, we need you to play. You, you need to be playing. And the fact that he didn't, he didn't really he didn't want to he didn't want to practice didn't want to, and then didn't show up. Where does it go from here? I mean, he, he's not playing for the Bengals ever again. I, I can't I can't imagine a scenario anyone would would trot him out that his teammates would want him out there. Anything like that? You you put it really nicely in your story. He's like he's this isn't us versus them. It's, it seems to be everyone versus uh, Cordy, and he seems to be on an island because his teammates have you know clearly turned against him you you mentioned you mentioned the tunnel bathroom i feel like it's like it's like the cordy it's the cordy tunnel bathroom because he he, he, he's always going out there and going to the bathroom he just refuses to use the one because in order to to use the one that's in the locker room you have to like walk across the locker room and his teammates have clearly uninterested in his presence Uh, and that seems to go back and forth uh and it's just it's one of those things where it's over here so it's just a matter of okay uh it, you can you could cut him, which apparently he essentially yelled at Zach Taylor to, to do. And but if you cut him, uh, you end up with the termination fee. You you pay him all that money, and and if you feel like he isn't trying to play, you don't want to give him his way, and and because that's what he wants. He wants to get cut and collect his his nine point two five million dollars and go home. And so the suspension, the fines, it all feels a lot like paperwork leading up to where this thing will ultimately end up, which is probably in some sort of grievance courtroom. I mean, it seemed like that's the only place because there's we're seeing this across the league, players that are sitting out and and claiming injuries or whatever. And, you know, like Jalen Ramsey's back right in Jacksonville. Oh, his back magically cleared right up on that plane ride out to L.A. when he got traded. I, you know, you see this stuff happening more and more, and I think this is sort of how you know the Bengals' version of it and what they're getting is Cordy was uninterested in playing here this year, and um, you know, the, this is going to be one of those things that ends up in in, in lawyers' hands. Yeah, and if that report is true that he told Zach to cut him, that that could be the biggest mistake he's made in this whole thing. Cause that, that is something that's definitely going to be used against him in the grievance. Cause it, it makes it look like that's, he's orchestrating this whole thing to get cut. Um, I, I just, my, I, my question is kind of going back to the dealing from position of strength. If, if they were to try to trade him, everybody knows where this is at right now there. I, I mean, I guess if you get anything for him, it's, it's good, but you know, I wonder if teams even want him, I, I guess you know there were there were kind of talk that this was a situation in Buffalo where he didn't really want to play, and, and the the Bengals thought, oh, you know, fresh scenery, um, new start, it'll be different, and now it's it's going on again here. And I just wonder if other teams are going to have that same mindset where, oh, he, when he comes here, he'll want to play. It'll be all magically better. Or if it's 
you know, kind of a two strikes and you're out thing where people would really, other teams would really think twice about bringing this guy on board. Yeah. And how, I mean, teams are desperate for offensive line help, obviously. I mean, people that have been watching the Bengals all year, they're not the only team in the league that's bad on the offensive line and are willing to give up what a lot more than you probably would think in order to get it. But how many teams look at what has been happening here and say, what do I want to do with a guy that is not wanting to play at all? And, and you know, you could say the same thing, but look what Jalen Ramsey got. He was doing the same thing in Jacksonville. So, and so maybe some teams would would give hope that way and just say, you know what, it's we're willing to give up something, some late-round pick and take on the rest of this guy's contract in in order to – take the chance that he could come and help and actually be a, a decent left tackle, which he's been his entire career. And, and maybe that is enough. Um, but the bottom line is what it's, it's just, a it, it's a matter of how can they get rid of, what's the best way to get rid of them, him for the team. Now it's not a matter of if it's just, what do you do? You know, do you, is, is it another suspension? Is it a trade? Is it, is it just take this thing to court, whatever it is, you know, it's it's over here. It's a matter of how do you gonna how are you gonna dispose of this issue? You know, how's it gonna end? I I think that's the only thing left. Yeah, because normally these grievances are, are heard in the off season. So if if that's what it comes to, that that something still has to happen before they get to that stage. So that's you know, the, the I'm sure the Bengals feel pretty strongly that they could win that, but I I don't know. You know that they've already suspended him once for one game. If if he if he refuses to practice Wednesday, then what's what's the escalation? You know, is it one game again? Is it two games? Is it for the rest of the year? Um, I guess that's that's what we're going to find out the, later this week because it, it doesn't seem like there's any way he's going to play for this team again. And uh, it it you just wonder whether he will go out there and go through the motions and try to practice and force the Bengals' hands to cut him or if he'll continue to sit out and just end up being suspended and, and hope he can win the grievance. Yeah, it, whatever it is, it's as ugly as can be at this point. I mean, that's all that's all that's all that's gotten to it is this is this is where no one hoped it would be, but um, you know, I can tell you this, having watched this organization, they're not going to back down from just paying that guy and giving him what he wants. We know it's an organization thing. full of lawyers. They know what they're doing when it comes to these kind of when things. When it comes to this kind of stuff, yeah, there is no doubt. And they're not gonna they're certainly not gonna back down from it going to court or executing whatever particular paperwork and or what order they need to in order to to make sure they win that. So I think that's this is we're basically in the courtroom now. It's just the precursor to to make sure that they yeah. win when they do get there. Um Let's go into some of what I would consider the more the unlikely trade candidates, but the ones you do hear a lot. Um, let's start with AJ Green and get this off our chest quickly. You know, Sanu going for a two only says that there's a there's a lot that you could get from AJ Green. We knew that already. Zach Taylor uh, on Monday doubles down. AJ Green not being traded. I said what I said before. I'm saying it again. He's not getting traded. Forget it. A.J. Green talking after the game on Sunday, saying he's not milking anything. He's going to come back and play this year. Just wait till he's 100%. Boy, that that week after the bye sure feels like that's when it's going to end up being. Of course, we sort of said that um, on certain days in the past, so we'll, we'll see where it ends up. But I think 
He just wants to, you know, this whole I'm going to be 100% thing. Clearly, this has gone longer than the timeline they ever anticipated. He says, again, he's not milking it. He's not milking it. He would never do that. And if you just want to, if you feel anything that doesn't feel perfect, if you're A.J. Green right now, you're just holding off. And I think that's clearly where where he's at. Uh, but we know this is is they're not trading him because to to continue to go in on that and say they're not trading him over and over again, I think it would have to be at this point some sort of totally obscene offer that dropped on their table for them to actually pull the trigger on it. And and that's not going to happen for a guy you you a guy as good as AJ. Yeah, maybe it might happen, but a guy that has not played all year due to an injury that no one's going to take that kind of risk and offer that. And I was really surprised that Zach said that the first time that we're not trading that guy. Cause you never know what kind of obscene, crazy offer you might get. Um, but for yeah, for him to double down uh, on Monday, it, it's, it's clear and obvious AJ's not going anywhere. And uh, moving on, you've got another guy that that's probably not going anywhere. You were going to mention. Yeah. I mean, I think you go down the other two big names and that's Andy Dalton and Gino Atkins, <clears throat> you know, Gino, I, I, you know, he had a, a dominant game against Jacksonville. He, he, maybe, maybe he reads uh, the press clippings. Uh, maybe, maybe he does. And, it, and it's sad if it took that to make him play hard uh, and be dominant again. So after everybody spends a week sort of uh, ripping him because he, in those last 16 games, he's been showing this regression. He'd only had two games with at least one sack in his last 16 and all that stuff. And he comes out and he was he was a force man. Had a couple of sacks, more pressures, uh, all that. So maybe you th- he, sh- he shows what he can be when he's out there trying hard. People know the difference he could make. I just with his contract, I think they like the way he plays a lot. They feel like he's part of the solution here. He's already under contract. There's a lot of dead money they'd have to take on if they traded him. Um. I don't see that happening. You know, I just I just think that it ends up that he he will end up staying here. I don't think they deal him. Um, again, it would have to be a totally blown away offer, and the other team would have to be probably paying a lot of that contract. But there's there's so much dead money and bonus money involved, it becomes hard to do as well. Moving on to Dalton, who, you know, everybody is uh <laughs> everybody's mad at right now. Uh although I do want to point out uh, I, it was the perfect. It was the perfect intersection of of making people not know how to feel and who to yell at when uh, PFF's grades came out yesterday, <laughs> and they had Andy Dalton as the highest graded player in, in on offense or defense for the Bengals and the highest graded game of his season at seventy five point eight. Because people who love to scream about PFF grades in regards to why a guy should or shouldn't be playing. Uh, and and all that stuff. Suddenly, we're confronted with someone who they've spent their lives screaming about and thought he just played the worst game of his life. Uh, being confronted by him having actually a really high grade in that game, uh, and it was it was quite the intersection watching people react to my mentions. Did, did PFF just turn the game off after the third quarter and quit grading? I, mean, I, I don't I don't understand how that's possible. Yeah, so so I think they had him for a lot of big time throws early in the game for sure. Yeah. You know, and five drops were the most drops 
that uh, they've had him for all season against him, and some of them were really, you know, on really nice balls. The Erickson one in particular uh, stands out, where that would be considered a big time throw. And you know, as far as turnover worthy throws, you know, Steve Palazzolo from PFF was kind of in my when I tweeted that, kind of got in the conversation with me and some of the people on my timeline there, pointing out they didn't they didn't hold the screen pass against him because of. Uh, the ridiculousness, the clown show that happened in front of him with John Jerry blocking Giovanni Bernard from getting out there. And and then I believe they were not holding the last one against him, maybe. Uh, but it was basically pointing out that they were only really, I mean, I think only the boy, the one to boy that Miles Jack jumped in front of were they maybe even giving uh, to Andy. And then some of the other throws that he had and the decisions he made to pull it and run in a few big spots, they gave him some love for. So that was why he ended up with the grade that he did. Um, so they they weren't, and that was uh, you know that was part of the message that we actually heard from Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan a little bit after when we talked to them on Monday was them pointing out man there was some that uh, yeah it's easy to point at the quarterback but there was some that really you know that was a that was a team issue and not a necessarily a quarterback issue understandable uh, screaming and yelling about what Andy Dalton did but that that's just some of the reaction that we've heard from those that have watched it closely. I don't understand how the the third interception wouldn't be on him. I'll have to go back and watch that because it looked like he just he just led Boyd too far and and Boyd couldn't get there and it, it, the safety behind it, it ended up right in his hands. That's the one where the fan is screaming, "What did you see?" But it just looked like it was just another case where we've kind of talked about this, where his, his accuracy is is really not it's not majorly off, but it's 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 noticeably off this year and it was that's the first one the miles jack one miles jack made a great play but andy put it a little behind him and just like the auden tate interception at buffalo that you know just a little bit behind him and it ends up tipped and picked and the the third interception sunday against the jaguars that that just looked like a a bad miss on his part um like i said i'll have to go back and watch that and see if maybe tyler boyd got misdirected but if that's the case he would have you would think it would have been a flag for uh, illegal contact five yards down the field. Um, but that, that one really did look like it was on, on Andy. And then the other thing there is that not the fact that it was surprising. It was his highest grade of the year, but it's not that surprising. It was the team's highest grade on Sunday. Cause there was just nobody on offense uh, that, that really did much in that game at all. Yeah. Tate and Erickson were, were next behind, behind him. And yeah. there was, you know, outside of that, at the very bottom, you could find all the offensive linemen as well. Uh, if you were <laughs> looking at the list, um, but it, you know, that was, we were starting off about Dalton and potentially being traded. It's just yeah. as much as, as much as people say, trade Dalton to the bears or whatever, like it's just trading quarterbacks in season. Again, as we've mentioned, tough thing to do. Uh, I don't think you're going to see that. Um, and you know, we, there's no commitment to Andy through the rest of the season, but I do think you're seeing that the, they're definitely still standing behind him right now after a couple of days of, of being asked questions about him. They still do seem to be in his corner and want him to be the one to lead them to whatever wins they get this year. We'll see. But, I mean, you can only have so many games until you force their hand. So um, n- nobody's going to say anything definitively, but for now, certainly very much still in his corner. The big uh, thing I'll is say- if anybody gets – I was no, going to say, ahead. if anybody gets hurt this week, uh, that's that's what could change this. If, if a team, and we've kind of said that all along, but this is it. This is the last weekend of games before the trade deadline. Uh, that could really kick in the panic mode if, if a team were to lose um, a quarterback and, and on Sunday and, and not have a solid backup. That, that could really change things. There is no doubt. Um, 
the, the Nick Foles factor plays against them though, because you know that it's yeah you okay you lose your guy, but are you better off with the guy who's been in house? And next thing you know, he can do what Nick Foles did for Philly and lead him to the Super Bowl. And yeah, so you know it's it's better to have somebody maybe who knows the system who's not quite as talented as, as maybe somebody who's a little more talented, but you're trying to bring in to learn a system on the fly can be really hard to do. Um, let's let's go in and let's go behind the curtain a little bit. I, people are you know this run game is just a total train wreck, total disaster, and you're just wondering like how the hell is this happening? Why is this happening? I uh, just want to give you a little behind-the-curtain insight. We had this uh, offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, uh, in with us on Monday to talk a little bit. And, and the run game obviously was a centerpiece of that conversation, different elements of it, including some tight end stuff. Uh, so I wanted to bring you a few of his answers. So here's a little bit of Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, discussing the disgusting run game. There were three weeks where Joe was averaging more than four yards a carry after that rough start. Now he's mm-hmm. back to, I think, what, eight, 12 yards on his last 18. Mm-hmm. Why has he struggled so much the last couple of weeks? Uh, it's, a, it's a myriad of factors, I think, um, and kind of everybody's got their, their piece in it. Um, you know, we're facing the Jacksonville fronts about as good a front as that you, you'll see. They caused us some problems. Uh, it's hard to block those guys sometimes. Um, we had holes sometimes, too, and, and, they, and they didn't always hit where exactly they were going to hit. Um, you know, we blocked the perimeter poorly at times. So it's really, you just, you kind of watch it and it's every other time it's somebody else. It's another, it's, it's the left tackle on this one. It's the right guard on this one. It's the tight end on the cutoff and the backside on, on, on the next one. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of everything. And that part of it's frustrating. Um, I, you'd certainly like to see a better production all the way around, but it's, it's kind of falls on everybody's shoulders all at the same time as, is probably not the best answer in the world but it's the truth and uh, we're not collectively playing well enough or consistently enough so uh, what you see show up is is going to be games like that where there's 12 yards on six carries or whatever that it ends up being at certain points in the game so um, you know sometimes it you get you pop some runs against ideal looks and sometimes you don't and you, you run uphill every now and again and uh, that's just the cat and mouse game in the NFL is schematically what you're seeing so I do think that that there's a lot of things that got to be better for Joe to be more productive, and it's not doesn't fall in any one particular position at this point. He's so good it? out in space, mm-hmm. um, and there's not a lot of space when he's running. Obviously, he could, could throw in more screens to him, getting involved in the passing games. That's something that could carry over. Yeah, there's always that's all. There's always that part of it. He's been productive uh, in some of the play action screens we've used early. You know, at parts in the year, he's had a couple of explosive plays in a screen game. Um, yeah, that's always that's always a part of it, and. Uh, you know, we threw him a touchdown pass down the red zone, and, and we've thrown him some some passes, and he's been used in, in that in that role. So uh, we're aware of the, of how to of how to manipulate that stuff, uh, and then we got to do a better job of it. To be honest. How much of a strain does it put on you offensively when you cannot run the football? Quite a bit. Being one dimensional is hard. Um, to draw back and throw it forty one times isn't sustainable. Uh, it's just not. It's not a winning formula, I think, by any metric you use to to, to look at success rates. And um, we kind of get forced into those positions occasionally when uh, our efficiency on, on second down really has been poor. Uh, we've been okay on first down. But when you look at just where we're at, I think we're close to last in the league in, in second down efficiency. So uh, it put us in a bunch of third and longs, and now we got got guys pinning their ears back. And uh, you got to help protect, and you got to keep your tight ends in. Uh, you got to help your backs got to stay in. So there's a, there's – 
a lot of things that make it difficult when you have to drop back and throw the ball. So yeah, the our the running the running game standard has got to be higher, uh, and we've got to do a better job of it. And we've tried at times to force the ball, but you get into those games where they're close games that we had to lead it, uh, in the fourth quarter, and, and it was a one score game late. And, and you think to yourself, well, we really can't afford a, a negative play here and a run game hasn't been working all day. Why would we do it again? Um, and we kind of got to that point in this last game. We looked up, I think at one point I looked at the board and it was like, oh, man, it's some negative rushing yards like in the third quarter. So, you know, when you're, when you're trying to move the ball, you go, what's our best chance right now to go win this game? And, and it was to throw it. So uh, that's just how the day unfolded, and that's not really what we want to do um, regularly at all. On the run game side of things, how much is the lack of – ability to consistently stretch the field over the top and to get out of the defense being up in the box part of what's happening too yeah. is that is that a big yeah, part of that's it? part of it yeah. uh, that's, that's definitely part of it it's hard to kind of make everything marry together when you're talking about run game and play action and and trying to push the ball vertical and trying to take play action shots you know they don't think you they don't respect the fact that you can you can run the ball at them with some efficiency then you know you end up not getting as much pull in the play action game um you know, you certainly get guys sitting down on top of you, and they're not really too worried about it. And we've, we've had a couple of cases where, we're, you know, you're running against the right box counts and the right looks, and you know, you're not getting much out of it. So defenses go, well, why do we need to put – we can just sit back here in, in a quarter shell, and, and, you know, we feel good about our front being able to handle you guys' run game. We don't have to add another, another, another player down there, and we can just sit on top of the pass game. So um, it all fits together. <laughs> it does. It all fits together. And, you know, you have to be able to, to threaten them on both angles because being one-dimensional makes football hard. All right, good to hear from Brian Callahan and, and uh, just talking through this, which it's just – it's a mess on every aspect, right? Your guys up front can't block. Uh, your receivers can't take the top off and make anybody respect it. They don't even, you're, you, Because you're losing so much up front, they don't even need to put extra guys down low. So the play action is pretty much rendered useless. It's everything about it. It, it. it all eventually goes back to the fact that the offensive line just doesn't win at all, um, and you and you don't have any way to push the linebackers back a little bit to threaten them because there's just not enough threat downfield right now with a bunch of guys that are slower or slot receivers. I'm talking about Tyler Boyd, Alex Erickson, slot guys, Auden Tate, notably slow. You know, it's like when you don't have that uh, to, to push the next level – this is some of what it looks like. And then maybe bad calls, maybe bad scheme, all part of it. Everybody plays a factor. Inevitably, for me, in my eyes, it starts with the offensive line, and that's kind of you know your, your biggest issue, obviously, which everyone knows. We'll get into, more, into it more on Thursday with a preview pod, but, I mean, can you imagine a bigger mismatch in the NFL than the Rams' D-line against the Bengals' O-line? I mean, it, it's just... It, as ugly as it's been this year, I got a feeling it's going to be even uglier on Sunday. Yeah, Aaron Donald, you know, you would think they'd move him around to give him the best matchup, but they really don't have to do that. You can just let him go wherever he wants. He'll They're be all pretty, best matchups. He'll be, he'll be in a great matchup everywhere. Um, so, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's dig in. Jay's got stats time. Jay, what do you got? Yeah, well, uh, I, we talked about how there was really no great performances on – on offense, but Alex Erickson, uh, he has to be our offensive brute of the week um, with his eight catches, 137 yards. Uh, both were career highs, and I was I wanted to get this in my my final thoughts 
uh, column, but I, I, I couldn't get it, the Sports Radar site to, to bring back the result I wanted. I was curious what um, how, how many undrafted wide receivers have had games that good. And, um, well, I got the answer this morning. The, the research department helped me, and the answer is a lot. Um, it is, it's the best game in Bengals history for an undrafted wide receiver, both in terms of catches and, and receptions. But it's it's happened quite a bit, and I, I bet if you think about it, I'm sure you can, Paul. I think some listeners can too. If you start thinking about undrafted wide receivers that have had big games, um, that there's in the last ten years there's been 26 games where an undrafted wide receiver has had at least eight catches and uh, 30 137 yards. So, can you how many can can you think of off the top of your head, Paul? Oh my goodness. Uh... Doug Baldwin, uh, I, I am not going to be able to pull this off like a trivia question. Doug Baldwin, Danny, I did some stats on undrafted receivers earlier this year, so I had a few names in my head, but uh, Danny Amendola, wasn't he undrafted? Um, yep, he's on the list. Um, I, I am not going to be able to do this very good. Yeah, Baldwin. Baldwin's on there twice, and then um, Wes Welker has actually done it six times. Yeah. Um, he, he's he's had six games of where he's had at least eight catches, 137 yards. Uh, Victor Cruz four times, Miles Austin four times, and Adam Thielen three. So it's like it's just funny because the guys they end up being so good and so established in the league, and you almost kind of forget. Oh yeah, that guy went yeah. undrafted. But uh, still, even the fact the, the most recent one to do it was Robbie Anderson. He just did it in Week 16 last year. He had nine for 140 against the Packers. But uh, I, I still don't think that that diminishes from from Alex's performance uh, and, and the drop was a bad one. We, we kind of wondered if maybe it's, I know fans don't want to hear it, but the, the way the, the sun was coming in, he was looking back over his shoulder, kind of a Willie Mays type catch that it, Andy threw a great ball and it just looked like, like uh, Erickson didn't see it, but still uh, a huge game. Really? He was their only offense for a good part of that game. I, I remember at one point the the Bengals had, uh, run 19 plays for 20 yards, and uh, Erickson was really the only one that was able to do much of anything for the entire game. So uh, the easy choice for offensive brute of the week. No doubt about that. Uh, run passer boot, though. Let's get into run passer boot time. This, this is a good one. So, so the the absurd, egregious, disgusting, unbelievable, shockingly historic stats we documented in the walkout uh, about the the running game on both sides of the ball where the Bengals are currently on a pace to bust the NFL record for fewest rushing yards in a season and are close to the NFL record third on pace for third most rushing yards allowed in a season, which is a differential of 2,174 yards if this plays all the way out uh, over the course of the year. Just an insane, just an insane thing I can't you can't even believe when you say it out loud again uh, so we got those in play and obviously they're 0 and 7 run pass or boot Jay the Bengals will set the NFL record for most rushing yards allowed the Bengals will set the NFL record for fewest rushing yards gained the Bengals will go 0 and 16 run pass boot I'm gonna boot the 0 and 16 I I just I, I just can't see it happening um there's uh, I think you're going to get maybe a, a team napping a little bit in December, a team checked out, or you're just going to get another winless team in Miami. I just I don't I don't see that happening. 
Um, I'm I'm gonna I'll run with them doing it on offense, um, the rushing yards offensively, just because I think when AJ does come back, uh, it, it's gonna loosen up the defense a little bit. I think as bad as the offensive line is. I'm sorry, I'm passing on this. As bad as the offensive line is, I, I think they find a way to to avoid setting the record for fewest rushing yards. But I, I think if you're going to run with one, it's nothing's getting better on that defense. I mean, they are who they are over there, and and teams are just going to continue to to run it down their throats. You got to feel some of the teams that are on the schedule coming up are going to have big leads, and they're just going to start running the ball, piling up the rushing yards. Um, that's the most likely one. Run with giving up the NFL record for rushing yards in a season. I'll pass on setting the NFL record for rushing yards in a season offensively, and I'm going to boot the 0-16. Just no way that happens. I, I just – as bad as, the, as, bad as they are. Uh, we were rolling on that, right? I want to make sure we, we're going to run that back. It's going to end up being in, like, the intro of this show for, like, the next year and a half. Jay being like, oh, in 16, no way that happens. Like, that is that is going to be in the intro. We're, we're putting that in the intro if that comes true, just so you know. Didn't I also run with uh, October being the month that they get the first win? Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> All right. You know, I, I think an interesting run-passer boot would, would be, because your story, your, your story was so great about the leather helmets and all that, but I, I can't figure out what's more enjoyable, reading your story or reading the comments under your story, or <laughs> reading the comments to the comments under your story. <laughs> Every story seems to be going that way, where just the comments and the comments and the anger and the rage just builds. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, I, the I, first I, one was mad at you. And they weren't mad at the team. They were mad at you. Why won't you ask the hard questions? Oh, it's always, we don't care the, about these the, stats. It and, always becomes the media's fault. For not yeah. asking, it's it's yeah. I'm not going. I I do not have the time or energy right now to go there. Uh, um, so let's go to. I'm gonna say, I am going to run with them setting the NFL record for fewest rushing yards. Their pace is so far clear of the actual record. I mean, a couple hundred. And and you said it. They're going to be behind a bunch. They're going to throw so much. This line is not getting better. No help is on the way there. Maybe if even with AJ Green shows up, I still just don't know. Only more guys are going to get hurt, you know. So I, I I'm going to say that's my that's my run. I, I am going to pass on Owen sixteen. I think that baby's in play. I you know it is. I know they've been close, but I'm gonna I'm gonna run with that. I I think. The NFL record for most given up, as bad as they've been, and they have been terrible, and it ain't gonna get better. You know, they still would need a they would still need to increase their pace uh, by quite a bit, and it's been pretty bad pace to to get there. So for that fact, I'm gonna say that I'm gonna I'm gonna boot the 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 record on defense. That's where I'm at with that. They still have Lamar Jackson one time, so they could definitely increase that pace. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sure I'm sure the Rams and Gurley and company should should be just fine for that. Um, all right. Uh, I have uh, I have one for you since we're traveling, and uh, you're going to hang out a little bit next week, Jay. Uh, travel destination you would 
most want to do if you if money was not an object? Australia, Europe, or Africa? This is really hard. Can I can I play off of last week when you went boot boot boot? Can I run run run? Can I take off three? <laughs> no, of there's none. What I should I should have made it Australia, Europe, or Fairfield. Because <laughs> you, you know, there's walk. a part of you who just wants to stay home and live that life. It, it, well, it's a half a mile down the road. As long as there's so a Kid I'm... Rock concert happening there, you would definitely want to stay. Heck yeah, heck yeah. All right, this is. <laughs> I, I got to think about this. Um, gosh. I'll I'll run with Europe just because there's so much there, um, and and I took French in high school and I was I was just always it wasn't just the language that we learned we learned kind of the history and the geography and you learned so much about um, about Paris and France and uh, my wife is already in London she's waiting on me to get there to cover the game and. Uh, we're going to stay for four or five days after the game, and, and we are. We're going to jump on a train and do an entire day in Paris. And just really looking forward to it. She's been to Paris before, but uh, this is her first time in London. It'll be my first time in London. Really looking forward to that. So just Europe as a whole, I will run with. Um, I'll pass on Africa. I'm. I, it's never really been something big on my list, but when uh, our colleague Catherine Terrell, who covers the Saints for the Athletic, uh, she did a, an African safari trip. Uh, last year and seeing some of her pictures made me realize that 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 would be something spectacular to see and you know how that that those things go pictures never do it justice Um, and then I'll boot Australia Um, I I don't know why but it it just um, I would like to see it but of the three that is that would probably be the least favorite on my list I'd be with you on that kangaroos are a little too aggressive for me I get concerned (laughs) uh <laughs> I, I but I, I would agree with you that do you do you have uh do you have a run pass or boot for me yeah i do i'm kind of going same direction with a, a timely theme uh, the world series starts tonight uh if, if you had a choice to attend a game seven in person would it be game seven of the world series game seven of the stanley cup finals or game seven of the nba finals uh this is pretty easy for me um I'm going to say Game 7 of the World Series, I'm running. I, I love the baseball playoffs. I love yeah. baseball playoffs. There's a sound to it and attention to it. And baseball is the best sport when every pitch matters. It so rarely is because of the length of the season. But when it matters, when every pitch is intense, man, there is no sport like it. There is no roar like a big hit or a big pitch or whatever in a baseball playoff game, which is what makes people in Cincinnati so sad. They've not really had much of an experience with it um, here lately because it is the best part of of being a baseball fan is a pennant race and then a playoff run. And a game seven is is untouchable in that respect. Um, I am going to – I'm going to pass on the NHL. Uh, I mean – Hockey is is so intense, and uh, those Game 7s, you're just on the edge of your seat forever. So I'd say that, but it's not quite baseball for me. NBA is my boot. Uh, Not because it wouldn't be great, but I just think compared to the other two, uh, as far as intensity goes, um, I'm I'm a little bit more... I'm I'm a little bit more probably on the other side, but that's and not I, and I love the NBA, but that's just if it's a game seven situation, uh, that that's 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 where I roll. Uh, all right, Jay, real quick, uh, where are you hunting free tickets and uh, and uh, metal concerts? 
Um, I, I'm st- well. I'll go off off the uh, beaten path here. I, I'm still looking for Chevelle tickets. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't even. I haven't even heard anybody give them away yet. Maybe because it's so far away. It's in December. But um, this might surprise people that know my my penchant for hard rock. But I, I really want to see Chris Stapleton. Uh, he's coming to Louisville. Um, I think it's after the first of the year, and it's it's a sold out concert. And um, I might have to start listening to country music stations just to try to win tickets to that, oh. or bite the bullet and buy them <laughs> off a of StubHub. But man, I just I love that guy. I love his lyrics. I love his voice. Um, just just the way he constructs songs. And um, I, I've really I've downloaded a lot of his music and I listen to it quite a bit. It's it's really the only country music I, I listen to in my car. I kind of enjoyed his mood music when you're in a bar. But uh, the only time I've ever put country on in my car has been Chris Stapleton. So if, if I could win tickets to see him, that would be awesome. I love the idea of you suffering through Travis Tritt and Alabama songs just to wait to hear if they're going to give away any tickets to Chris Stapleton. <laughs> It'd be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, uh, for listening. Reminder, our uh, our bonus episode for subscribers uh, will be up Thursday. We're going to try to sneak that baby out before we head to London. We'll be the team leaves Thursday afternoon, we'll be uh, heading over the same time with them. Team comes back overnight and lands at like 5 a.m. on Sunday, so schedule might be a little whacked for us. We'll, we'll try to get back uh, and, st- and have functioning brain cells by the time we do record next week and see if we can – we're going to do our best to sneak out a walkout from you uh, after the game because we have to, there's a lot of logistical stuff happening over there. Uh, so that all is coming your way. Um, Thanks to everybody that does subscribe. We love having you on The Athletic. That is going to be a jam-packed episode for you. Uh, So if you don't have a subscription, you've been thinking about it, you really want to hear some of the stuff that's going on, uh, definitely uh, hop on Thursday with us as we'll have – uh, ben, Vinny Bonsignor, we'll have Huda UK, we'll have Joe Goodberry, plus all the stuff of what's been going on, more updates on trades, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so anyway, thanks everybody uh, for listening to hear that podcast growling. Uh, hope you guys are hanging in there. Don't hold the hug too long and don't end up face-to-face. This is what we've learned today. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. 